Van Riken Productions presents The Tome, Episode 3. Written by Gerald Van Riken. Performed by a full cast. Dear listeners, the mystery deepens as our protagonists, Detective Ray Graham and Officer Cindy Henley, find Professor Augustus Hawthorne unconscious and bleeding in a strange clearing in the woods. The sinister forces behind the mysterious book are becoming more apparent, and danger looms over Twin Rivers. Let us continue our journey into the unknown. As the EMTs worked diligently to stabilize Professor Hawthorne, Detective Graham paced nervously nearby, occasionally glancing over at the enigmatic clearing where they had found the old man. A strange feeling of dread washed over him, and he couldn't shake the sensation that there was something dark and malevolent lurking in these woods. The EMTs carefully lifted the professor onto the stretcher and began carrying him back through the muddy trail. Officer Henley accompanied them, providing any necessary information about the scene. Determined to get to the bottom of the mystery, Detective Graham decided to return to the clearing to investigate further. He started examining the ground, searching for any clues that might shed light on what transpired. While inspecting the surroundings, Ray noticed that there were strange markings on some of the trees, as if something had been etched into the bark with precision. The etchings resembled those that he saw on the victim's body, and this discovery sent shivers down his spine. Dispatch, we need a photographer to my location. We've got more of those weird symbols. If we can get Professor Hawthorne back, we'll need his help. Ray lit another cigarette and sat on a nearby rock, waiting for the photographer. He spent the next hour observing the scene and the markings carved into the trees. He could make neither heads nor tails of any of it. Eventually, the photographer, a young officer named Finley, arrived and began to take shots of the trees and the diluted pool of blood the professor had been lying in. Back at the station, Graham found Officer Henley sitting in the break room, staring into a styrofoam cup of coffee. She looked disturbed. Hey, you okay? I'll be fine. Just a little shaken up. Haven't seen anything like that since I moved out here. And even then, this might be just a cut above. Ray sat down across from her. Yeah, that was a little rough. Thanks for your help on that. You can go back to the simple stuff, take your mind off it, catch some speeders, drunken disorderlies. No, I don't think so. I'm in this now. I want to see it through. I can't go back to traffic stops after what happened today. I understand. I'll tell you what, it's getting late. Let's both go home and get some rest. We'll get here early tomorrow and drive over to the hospital to visit Professor Hawthorne. If he's alive... If he's alive. 
St. Genevieve's Hospital was bustling as Ray and Cindy stepped through the automatic doors several days after finding Hawthorne. They ventured over to the front desk, where a bored-looking receptionist sat, popping bubblegum idly. Can I help you? Good morning, I'm Detective Graham. This is Officer Henley. We're here to see Augustus Hawthorne. Alright, let me check what room he's in. The receptionist popped another bubble and began to flip through a ledger. She eventually pointed to a page and spoke without looking up. Room 35. I'll buzz you in. The automatic lock on the door to the right of the desk buzzed, and the two made their way through and searched for room 35. They found Professor Hawthorne resting quietly in his hospital bed, an IV in one arm, heavy bandages around the other. He seemed to be asleep. He was pale and sallow. Oh God, poor man. They pulled up chairs and sat beside the bed. Professor, if you can hear me, I know this is a bad time, but we need to talk to you about that book you bought. The professor weakly opened his eyes, turning his head painfully toward them. Detective? Suddenly, as if realizing something, the old man's eyes shot wide open and he attempted to sit up to no success. Take it easy now. The book. It's something. Evil. Creatures. Professor, focus. One thing at a time. Town in danger. The book. It summoned them. The others. They're here. I know everything. With that, the professor lost consciousness again. Poor man's out of his mind. Okay, professor. Get some more rest. We're gonna go get some food. We'll come talk to you again later. The two of them left the room, heading down the hallway to an elevator, riding it down to the cafeteria. Ray ordered a plate of bacon and eggs with coffee, and Cindy just got an orange juice. They sat down together, looking at each other with concern. What do you think he was on about? Well, he definitely saw something. I think the killer may have struck again. But no marks on the body, and his wrist was slit. It definitely looked like he did it himself. It's definitely odd, but I can't think of anything else. Do we know if the book was found? It wasn't on the scene, but Hawthorne said he had it. Maybe the killer took it? So what do we do now? I suppose we wait. We have to talk to the professor more about what he saw. Let's take the day. Meet back here tonight. The two went their separate ways, their minds abuzz with even more questions than before. The bell above the door of Glenn's book nook jingled as Ray entered the store once again. Glenn was there with his trademark smile. Good morning, Detective. You back for your investigation? Not today, Glenn. Just looking for some peace and quiet. Your usual alcove is open. Would you like a cup of coffee? That'd be nice. Glenn didn't serve coffee to his customers. 
but Ray knew he always had a pot on in the back room for himself. Ray made his way into the shop, immediately heading for a small alcove at the back. Upon seeing it, a memory consumed him. He sat in the small alcove of Glen's book nook, smiling to himself as he watched his beautiful wife, Diane, across the table, nose buried in some romance novel. She was glowing these days. Being with child will do that. She was six months pregnant with their first child. She was so happy, as was he. He watched the smile on her face grow wider as she glanced up and caught him looking at her. The memory changed then. He was sitting in his living room, watching the television, when he heard a scream from the bathroom. Launching himself from the couch, he dashed across the house to find his wife huddled on the floor, sobbing hysterically into a growing pool of blood. There was more blood in the toilet as well. He ventured to peer into the bowl, a growing sense of dread welling up in him. You all right, Ray? Ray snapped out of his trance, finding himself sweating suddenly. He was sitting in the alcove, staring up at a very concerned Glenn, who was holding a steaming mug. He sat across the table. How's she been? She still won't talk about it. Hasn't been herself. She's distant. Angry. It's been a rough six months. She'll come around. Have you been seeing your therapist? Yeah, we go every week. It's been hard. I've been throwing myself into my work, and now this case. I'm just tired of death. I know, hun. It's not easy. But you're going to be okay. She just needs time. All I can do right now is figure out what's going on here. If you need anything, please ask. Bradley says hello, by the way. He'd love for you to come visit sometime. I'll be sure to stop by soon. Glenn left him alone then, and after about a half an hour, Ray stepped outside. Glenn hated the smell of cigarettes, so he lit one up on the front porch. His mind wouldn't turn off. The body, this book, the professor somehow managing to hike multiple miles into the woods, the words he had said. He shook his head, leaned in through the door of the shop to say goodbye to Glenn, then got in his car. Trying to relax in his favorite armchair, Ray did not see the black-robed figure sneaking up behind him with one of his old police flashlights. One blow was all it took. Since she had the day off, Cindy decided she would head back to her house. She needed to change out of her uniform and into some clothes suited for hiking. She was going back to where they had found Professor Hawthorne. Now that the ground was dry, she figured there had to be more evidence. As she pulled her pickup truck into her driveway, she immediately noticed that something was off. The day was clear, and the sun was shining. Nothing looked out of the ordinary, but she was getting chills. She couldn't shake the feeling, and as soon as she came into view of her front door, her paranoia became justified. 
Carved into her front door was a strange symbol that looked just like the ones Ray had described on the trees in the clearing, and on the body that was found in the river. The lines of the symbol were curved and sinister, carved carefully, almost lovingly, into the wooden door. She drew her sidearm and approached the house, cocking the hammer of the gun back. She turned the handle of her door and barged through, immediately sweeping the front room. She moved carefully from room to room, clearing each one as she went. She found Maverick in the living room, still and unmoving. She rushed over to him and quickly checked his pulse. He was alive, thank God. As she approached the open bedroom door on the second floor, a figure burst forth from the room and lunged for her. All she saw was a face obscured by a hood and a knife being brandished. She caught the figure's arm and attempted to wrench the knife from its hand, the revolver still clenched firmly in one fist. They stumbled backwards before toppling together down the flight of stairs. In the next gripping episode, the truth will draw ever nearer, and our brave investigators will be pushed to their limits, standing against the encroaching darkness that threatens to consume them all. The stakes have never been higher as they seek to unravel the deadly enigma before it's too late. Join us next time for another heart-pounding installment of this chilling mystery where the battle between good and evil rages on and the fate of Twin Rivers hangs in the balance. Until then, dear listeners, I certainly hope you have strengthened your resolve to continue. You're going to need it.